Well, I think it's nine o'clock, so we're since I have more material than I can possibly cover in uh, in forty minutes or fifty minutes, uh, we'll get started. Um, why don't we open with a prayer? Gracious Lord, we give you praise and thanks. You bless us with your with the word that you've given us from the, uh, from your your faithful long ago, and we we thank you for the guidance that it will give us for the for the message that it brings. It shows us you and what you care about. Father, I ask you to be with us this morning in our class as we cover some uh, very uh, difficult passages, but Father, as we, we cover some passages which show us uh, your love for all people. Bless us, Father, and guide our family here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We finished up last week the first uh, through the uh, second chapter of Amos, uh, the what we were what we were, uh, what sets that first, the first and second chapters apart from the others are, are a key phrase, and that's for three sins of, and for a fourth, I will not relent. And each one ending with, says the Lord. We covered uh, the People that were around them, Israel and Judah, for that matter, is typical or uh, their traditional rivals and enemies. Um, and then he ended in case they they thought that maybe they were off the hook on things. He ended up with the same thing for three sins of Judah, and the fourth, and even four, I will not relent. And then for Israel, for three sins of Israel, and for I will not relent. And I think that it's important in the next sections we're, we're in is to look at the, the problems they had. They sell the innocent for silver, the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground. They deny justice to the oppressed and then goes on. Um, we'll start in the third chapter. And the third chapter uh, is a warning of that the destruction of Israel is, is imminent. It's coming. Uh, and, it's a, and it begins in the first three verses. And that's where I like to break this section. Um, Hear the word of the Lord, the people of Israel, the word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family you brought, I brought up out of Egypt. So he's now including uh, Judah in this, at least in this section. You only uh, have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your sins. Do two walk together and unless they have agreed to do so. So the chapter begins with Amos telling Israel and Judah that God has issues with them. He begins by reminding them, all of God's family, that 
he brought them out of slavery in Egypt. In verse 2, he reminds them that of all people on the earth, that they have been chosen. Uh, and that has a responsibility, that election. Uh, they formed a covenant with God when they re and they received blessings from God that other people didn't receive. However, this covenant had requirements that God's chose needed to be needed to fulfill. In Deuteronomy 26, uh, 16 through the 20th chapter, we see the uh, uh, Moses telling the people what they're going to do when they cross the Jordan, and that they're going to have, they're going to set up on on uh, two mountains, and they're going to they're going to uh, call down from Mount Gerizim blessings on the people, and from the other side curses for the people from Mount Ebal. And the Levites were to shout out the curses not for for not following. God's laws. And after each curse, the people shouted, Amen. So it begins here. If you disobey God's commands, you will have the evils that were shouted from, the, from one hill fall upon you. If you obey, you'll have the blessings that God is promising you. And here, yes, the whole question is, what was Israel supposed to be? They were supposed to be the light of the world to, of the world to the rest of the nations to show them Hashem. And that's a good good point to make because later on, when we uh, when I, when I rail on us for a little while, uh, we need to remember that. Um, now, yes. I'm sorry, that's um, the third chapter of Amos? Third chapter of Amos. First three verses. But the this section of the third chapter, I think the best place to, do, to divide it from the next section is after the third verse. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? What's the answer? I don't like that. It's, you know... When two walk together, that's in reference that they are in harmony with one another. Yes. And that's what God is telling you know, them. And what mine says, will two walk together except that they have agreed? In other words, they're in agreement with what's going on. And if you think about it, go back to Abraham and uh, his son when they were walking it said they walked together. Yeah. They were in agreement. And what what I think this is trying to say is, uh, to culminate this, you've chosen not to walk with me. You, you agreed to walk with me. And yet you turned your back on everything you agreed to. And so can we possibly be in community with one another? Can we possibly be in agreement with one another? I can't agree with this, says God. And he's now going to bring down the punishments that he had uh, promised them.
He does keep his promises. So I think they're about the same thing. Um, and it's hard to say. I do have found some times in the NIV where they stray from, uh, from the Hebrew a little bit more than I'd like. But uh, the next section in this third chapter is a series of questions. And they, they differ from the first one in that they're, they're implying warnings that are coming. Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it's caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when there's no bait there? When the trumpet sounds in a city, do the people tremble? When disaster comes to the city, has not the Lord caused it? Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? The lion roars, and they should fear. And the prophets are there as his, as his spokesmen to warn them, just as all these questions, you know, Lying, if it's uh, uh, if it's does it roar in the thicket when it doesn't have any prey? Well, I'm roaring in the thicket. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who cannot prophesy? In chapter nine and ten, God is calling on the people of. Uh, Ashdod, that would be Gaza or the Philistines, if you like, and Egypt. Come up, assemble on the mountains of Samaria, and watch. Witness what's what I'm going to do. And the reason for it is because of the great unrest within her, the oppression among her people. They do not know they do not know how to do right. Who store who declares the Lord, who store up there in their fortresses what they have plundered and looted. Well, who did they plunder and loot it from? The poor. From the poor. They didn't plunder and loot it from the neighboring communities. No, he told them, you trample on the poor earlier, and now we say that you, uh, uh, you oppress the people You've plundered and looted from your own people. So, one thing to note here is that there's a division in Samaria that the prophet is bringing to their attention. One is the people, the poor, the ordinary guy who's just trying to get enough food today to survive, and the elite. Of society. Uh, in case you wondered, it, uh, Judah has the same problem. And it seems to be a problem in very wealthy nations that there becomes a cream, the elite, that floats up on the top, and you have a poor, which is the lower half. Well, here they're oppressing them, 
What did God say the wealthy were to do? Take care of the poor. Take care of the poor. He's very clear in it. Be open-handed with the poor. Somebody is, is in need, help them. And it's phrased in, the, uh, in, in that particular section in Deuteronomy with, around the concept of the seventh year uh, forgiveness of debts and, re, and resetting. That don't withhold from the poor, even if you know that in a month it's the seventh year and you're just giving your money away because you have to forgive that debt a week or two later. So they're oppressing the enemy, the, uh, the poor. And then God tells them what's going to happen because of it. That he's going to bring an enemy to them who will plunder them, overrun them. Notice the, I, the idea is this. You plundered the poor. Now I'm going to send an enemy that's going to plunder you. And then when you get all done, he's going to overrun your land. Your fortresses will be torn down and plundered. Uh, and as a shepherd rescues from a lion's mouth, only two leg bones and a piece of ear. So the lion did a, took care of most everything. That's what's going to happen with you. The inner, so the Israelites living in Samaria will be rescued with only a head of a bed and a piece of fabric from a couch. Does any, Richard, do you have any, any thoughts about that? That's an odd expression, a Hebrew expression, but I don't know what Literally, it, it means in Damascus of a bed, is what it, what it says. And it's thought that it's reference to the fact that later on Israel would try and get the rely on the kings of Aram to help them out. Mm. Okay, it was an interesting expression, and uh, yes, it is. And and uh, the idea is yes. Exodus tells us that let's see, Exodus twenty-two and ten says, "If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, ox, sheep, any animal to keep, and it dies, it's heard given away. No one's seen it, and an oath to the Lord shall be taken between them both." And he has not put his hand into his neighbor's good. The owner of it shall accept that he shall not make it good. In fact, it is it is stolen from him. He shall make the resolution to the owner. If it's torn to pieces by a beast, then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not take any good. Evidence. Yeah. So we have this this uh, occurring, and for this reason that God is going to. Uh, is going to destroy Israel, all the fortresses, and we'll get we'll get a little later some more of the same language uh, concerning the uh, the wealthy, and they and they're going to just survive with just a, a smidgen. Uh, hear this, and the Lord testify against the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord uh, God Almighty, and remember that. The Lord is also trying to impress upon the people that he is in charge. He is sovereign. 
the people who will escape are the ones that the enemy does not care does, about. They don't even care about that. You know, it's the lowly that are going to escape. And you see in Nebuchadnezzar when he takes the, uh, when he destroys and takes the people of Judah into captivity, there's a remnant. They're just too worthless to even bother with. That's pitiful. If you're alive, you're happy about it. <laughs> then in the then he continues on. He's going to publish a uh, publish. He's going to punish them for their sins, and he brings up that he's going to destroy the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off. The horns, of course, being is a symbolism of strength or power. They will be cut off fall to the ground, and I'll tear down the winter houses along with the summer house. The houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed, and the mansions will be demolished, declares the Lord. The Richard's were where the uh, blood was presented to the altar. Okay. So it's basically saying, you're not going to be able to do what you've been doing. No, no. And this, and we'll we'll get to that in, in a few seconds because it's it's interesting to uh, um, to look at uh, what what he is repeated over and over again about the destruction that's going to that is coming. Uh, one yes. Is this in Dan the where they were worshiping up in the northern? Oh, the both Dan Ban, Try it again. Both Dan. And Bethel, Bethel, I think was the was the major uh, sanctuary, if you write main main altar was in Bethel. Samaria was the capital. Yeah, which was sort of halfway between between Bethel in the south and Dan in the north. But both of them had had their altars there. Both of them had idols there. One thing you mentioned the the fall of Bethel. And just sort of a historical note, uh, that was um, taken care of by Josiah. Uh, when Josiah became king, he destroyed all the high places and all the altars, and he and including Bethel. Uh, and in the uh, that's found in Second Kings twenty three fifteen through eighteen with the destruction of Bethel. And it mentions that uh, one interesting one at the end that uh, they destroyed and and all the all the uh, uh, the burial plots, the cemetery, you might say, they just they desecrated the the burial sites except for one. And the word one was the one that was not desecrated was the was the uh, burial site of a man from Judah who came up and prophesied against Bethel. I don't know that it's Amos, it doesn't say that. But it certainly would fit the pattern of what we're seeing. Now we go into the fourth chapter. We're moving right along, that's good. The fourth chapter begins with one of my favorite verses or paragraphs in the Bible. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria. 
You women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. The sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks. You will each go straight out through the breaches in the wall and you will be cast out toward Harmon, declares the Lord. I love this one because of the imagery of it. Uh, Bashan, uh, which I'm told is currently where the Golan Heights are, uh, but it was renowned as some of the finest pasture land in Israel. It had the luscious grass. And good cows. Good cattle, sleek and fat. And the, the, the where, how it fits so well here is, well, the cows of Bashan have the best. Water plenty, grass that's deep and nutritious, and they get only the best. But just remember this, and the Lord is sort of implying that, you cows of Basham, uh, they're, they're, you're fat, you're satisfied, but just like the cows of Basham, your destiny is to be led to slaughter. The cows of Basham weren't pets. And that description of the elite who were about to go to slaughter themselves. Uh, the prophecy, this prophecy of the elite of Samaria gives, uh, is a recurring one in, in Amos. Those who live in luxury, far above and, and maybe literally above up on the mountain. Um, the uh, common people who are starving, who are oppressed, and receive no justice, these elite are going to receive their punishment. They have the law, they have the prophets, as Jesus uh, says in his, uh, uh, in his story about uh, uh, Lazarus and the rich man. They have the law and the prophets, but they've ignored them both. And this, of course, is being spoken to by a prophet. But, they, but remember that they have the law and the prophets, and they ignored them. For this, God is about to bring punishment, uh, the punishment the law and the prophets warmed of. And as we see in, Mo, in Amos, is a warning of them of it. We need to heed the prophet, Amos, and all the other prophets, for that matter. Um, are we too much like the cows of Bashan? We live in luxury while those around us struggle for the basic needs of life. In Matthew 25, Jesus mentions, uh, mentions the uh, separating of the sheep and the goats. You know, sort of, what I consider sort of uh, Matthew 25 is, as uh, Jesus is giving sort of a crib sheet on the final exam. Um, that what did he, who, what was the difference between the sheep and the goats? What did the sheep do that the goats didn't do? Follow the law. They took care of the poor. If someone was, if they were in need of food, you fed them. If they were thirsty, you gave them something to drink. If they didn't have clothes, you gave them clothing. You just gave openly to these people who were downtrodden. 
if they're in prison, you went and visited them. Basically, it's if you, ha you are one of the sheep, if you have followed the law, which says take care of the aliens, the widows, the orphans, the poor, the downtrodden. That's the final exam, and the goats didn't. So it's similar to that in nature. Different thing goats you see too, like cattle. Um, goats you herd, cattle you herd, sheep you can't herd them. <laughs> yeah, they're like cats. Uh. Yeah, you follow, but you can't herd them. <laughs> okay. So we seem to ignore the law and the prophets and the son and and the God's son. So how act God act with us if we do this? Um, and do be to be clear, I'm not talking about a nation. I'm talking about his chosen. I believe he's speaking to his new chosen people here. Us. And I believe that he wants us to stop acting like the cows of Bashan, feeding off on the fat of the land while ignoring those who are in need. Uh, chapter 4 and 5, we have an allusion to uh, the idolatry that is rampant. The idolatry is at the basis of Israel, where it tells the Samaritans that he despises what they, their worship, what they do at Bethel, he hates. Uh, he doesn't mention idolatry explicitly, but this is what's going on among, among other things. Uh, go to Bethel, you go to Bethel and you sin. Uh, and go to Gilgal and sin even more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Um, and that could, that, it's hard, uh, there was a question whether and it should be translated as years or days in the law, every third year you brought the excess of your crops to the town and it was stored in case there was famine or need. I think the, the, the Hebrew may, may read days. It's hard to say. But uh, the tithes you bring every three years could also fit. Richard, you had? You had to read three days. Yeah. You burn leavened bread as a thanks, thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Uh, free will offerings, what are those? Richard, what would that be? A fellowship offering? That's where you, you basically brought in, a, brought in some animals and you had a picnic for the, for the town? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Basically, it's something that is not required by Hashem. You want to do something to help people. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is. It's just a free will. I'm giving this because I can and I want to help. And so it's um, they brag about it. Oh, I brought a bigger I brought a bigger bullock than you did. I, I brought a sheep. That'll feed what? Five, ten? I brought a thousand pound cow from Bashan. Uh, so they brag about it. Who owns the offering? God. 
Well, they were also not doing it properly. No. They were not slaughtering the animal in the proper manner. That's probably true. Uh, I'm not sure the text literally says that. Well, that's commentary. Yeah. But, it, but regardless, and you brag about the offerings you bring. You make it make you the what it's about. It's an offering that you bring to God for everybody else. There's no bragging in it. There shouldn't be. Um, and again, he ends and declares the sovereign Lord. Notice the word sovereign in there. He's trying to make a point. I am the Lord. I am the sovereign. I uh, gave you empty stomachs in every city. And here uh, in uh, verses, uh, where am I? 6 through 11, he's telling you, I this is what I did to try to catch your attention. You know, what does it take more than, more than I'm doing? I brought you plagues. I brought you famine. I brought you uh, empty stomachs. Uh, I took uh, your, your young, and, and they died in battle with enemies that I brought against you. I sent locusts and plagues, just like I did Egypt. And you are ignoring it. Maybe you're thinking, oh, this is terrible. We're having a bad year. Not that God is bringing this because we are not walking with him any longer. God is bringing this. And he's saying, I did all these things to warn you that I am one. Powerful. I can control everything. Oh, and the last part I think is important, and, and uh, at least to me, and this is paraphrasing, he's telling them, I am God, I am the Lord God Almighty, I am the Sovereign, and I'm in, I am angry. I brought all these plagues and problems on you, and I am angry. Didn't you notice? I slapped you on the face a couple of times, poured some ice-cold water on you, and you're still asleep. Richard, you had something? No. Okay. I think that covered it. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And then, he, and then he goes in verses uh, uh, 12, 13, that, uh, saying, Therefore this is what I will do to you, Israel, because I will do this to you, Israel, and I will... Because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. Emphasis is mine. Prepare to meet your God. Now, you, in a sense, that is saying there is a way of avert, averting what's coming in. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And there is. As most prophets. This talks about how can you avert the anger of a shell. But it reminds me in Jeremiah where the, Jeremiah is doing the same thing mm -hmm. and God says, yeah, but they're not really going to listen. No. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm going to offer them the cho choice. They offer them the chance. But they're not going to listen. Uh, he's the Lord God Almighty. And he is angry. Do you wonder if God is giving us the same uh, instructions or... Who's us? 
The church? Today. The church or mankind? Mankind. <laughs> I think he's, uh, and, and it's hard to say, uh, perhaps, um, I think there's some slop in, in over, I mean, some, uh, when you bring famine, it's, it's sort of widespread. If you bring locusts, they clear out all sorts of land. The plagues sometimes spread across borders. Uh, but his, he's speaking to his chosen people here. Well, that's also true because I think a lot of the chosen people have fallen away and want their own, their own set of rules. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think that just like here, God is angry. We uh, so he tells them uh, and reminds them of who he is. He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness, treads the heights of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. You can actually go back to verse five, where, where he talks about eleven. You know, Israel burned leaven bread. Yeah, that. Supposed to be unleavened. Yeah, Israel was thinking, "Hey, we can make we'll we can make it all better." Yeah, but you know, this that, that's not what Hashem said He wanted. No. The bread offer the burnt the the bread offering was uh, very specific, and it was not leavened. Uh, chapter five begins with uh, here the word this word. Israel, this lament I take up concerning you. Oh, yeah. Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land with no one to lift her up. This is what the sovereign Lord says to Israel. And then he goes on telling Israel that your uh, cities used to be able to bring out a thousand uh, uh, soldiers, but now you only have to be a hundred. Um, your towns, uh, maybe you used to be able to bring a hundred uh, soldiers out. Now, maybe you'll find ten. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Turn away, repent, and live. Do not seek Bethel, do not go to Gilgal, do not journey to Beersheba, Beersheba, for Gilgal will surely go into exile and Bethel be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph, which is the northern kingdom, like a fire. It will devour them and Bethel will have no one to quench it. There are those who turned justice into bitterness, cast righteousness on the ground, and then he goes on to say he to tell them who he is that's saying this. Man who made the, he who made the Pleiades and Orion turned midnight to dawn, calls the waters of the sea, and so on. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in the court and detest the one 
who tells the truth. And then verse 11 in the NIV, it says you levy a straw tax on the poor. I'm not sure exactly why they use those terms. I can think of it, but it's you tread on the poor as though they were the dust on the ground, as he said a couple of chapters earlier. Uh, and you impose tax on their grain. It's remember, though, what a, a straw tax is, is a tax being levied by a uh, absent landowner against a tenant farmer. And you impose tax on their grain. You're taking away their food as a form of taxation. Where did I tell you ever to do that? And then with this, therefore, with this, you've built stone mansions, but you will not live in them. And you've planted lush vineyards. You'll not drink their wine, for I know how many are your fences and how great your sins are. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, be prudent. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for times are evil. The prudent, the smart ones are going to say, I'm just going to step back and stay out of this. Times are evil. I don't want to stick my head up. This goes back to Deuteronomy 28.30. If you pay the bride price for a wife, another man will enjoy her. If you build a house, you shall not live in it. If you plant a vineyard, you shall not harvest it. Yeah. And that's what he's, he, this was, that was curses that they were going to have if they didn't walk with God, if they walked away from him. Well, they did, and yep, he will. Um, this section ends with an admonition. Yes? Is he suggesting that we should be prudent and keep silent? No, he is not. I think he's just suggesting that, uh, uh, if you don't want to be taken, if you don't want the ruling people to, to tear you apart, you keep your mouth shut. I don't think that's what he wants. Um, and then he says uh, that there'll be wailing in the streets, crying on uh, every corner. Uh, and, oh, skip. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Evil is the oppression, the unfair and unwarranted taxation on people who are starving so you can build stone mansions and lush vineyards. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. Yep, I'm offering you salvation, sort of, but only a remnant will make it. Richard? I kind of want to go back to that question about remaining silent. Okay. In a, I understand why you said no, we shouldn't, but I think it's saying that because of the corruption, 
the prudent remain silent. In other words, I'm not going to voice my opinion because I know what's going to happen if I do. I'm going to go ahead and follow Hashem, but I'm going to stay out of the middle of this corrupt, corrupt stuff over here because I can't change it. Okay. And I'm I'm still going to follow Hashem from from over here. You know, which is which is more. Damning, I guess you could say. Words without deeds or deeds that say your words. Okay. Why not both? both yeah. Why not do both? Why not give the deeds and also the words? Because in this sense I think he's it's saying that you realize if you continue if you continue to speak out, you will not speak. Yeah, he's also he will be eliminated. He's, he's mentioning, and I think that that's why one of the reasons I think, no, he's not suggesting that you be uh, one of the prudent like that, but he's just saying, in a worldly sense, prudence would say, keep your mouth shut. Well, in my, my version, it says, uh, for those who are smart, keep their mouth shut, for it is an evil time. So I think it's more about, it's a statement about the, the society being in a state of evilness and um, even those who would speak truth know that they can't because they'll be yeah. persecuted. Rick, uh, Jeff? Josephus tells us in his antiquities that uh, even though the northern kingdom fell away, there were many people that still worshipped God and actually went to Jerusalem. Yes. There were folks in the northern kingdom that would still come down to Jerusalem. Yeah, and there's a remnant that, that survived, and most of them survived uh, by going to the uh, going south. Uh, chapter 5, 18 through 27. Um, we use the expression occasionally, uh, the day of the Lord. Well, the day of the Lord means what? What does the day of the Lord mean? Judgment. judgment. When the Lord brings down judgment, so here they are in Israel, they're just waiting for the day of the Lord when God is going to bring down judgment on, on the enemies surrounding me. That's their thoughts. And then it would be, because you're bringing it down on my enemies, it's day of joy. Yeah. But so, this is not going to be day of joy. Woe to you who, wait, who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fed, fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered a house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. The, will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark, without a ray of brightness? We'll pause there for a moment before I go on. Yeah. The day of the Lord is coming, and you are going to be the target of the day of the Lord. You are the one I will be bringing judgment on. You long for it? Well, maybe some of the poor do. But certainly not the elite, which is who he's writing to, really. It's interesting that he's saying that you're not going to escape. You, if you run away from a lion yeah. and a bear and a snake, 
You can't run from the day of the Lord. The judgment is coming, and you're not going to avoid it, no matter what. Yeah. Then he goes on, and he comes back to uh, a combination of two things. One is an allusion to their idolatry, I think. And the other one is the problem of your injustice and the problem of your lack of caring for the poor. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I'll have no, re no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. Why? No, this is what I want instead. Let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? No. Hmm. Have you lifted up the shrines of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made yourselves? Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. Uh, a lot to say about uh, what we see here and what God God wants. We come together ourselves on Sunday mornings. Um, I'll just we'll have to throw roll the sixth chapter in with next week. But we 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 come together to meet to be with our, our brothers and sisters, to worship and thank God for his blessings, to give for all the things he has given us. But when we oppress the poor, when we ignore injustice, when we bring injustice, what, what happens? Does God is God going to accept our worship? It's going to be difficult. We need to remember that when we come before God, we need to be coming before God the way He wants us to come before Him, pure, unsoiled, and His people, His chosen people. Uh, We want, we're waiting for, we wait patiently for the coming of Christ, for the, for the final day of the Lord. Are we going to be sheep or goats? Uh, and we need to remember that. Which one are we going to be? Are we going to be the sheep or are we going to be the goats? And... Are we going to bask in our, our luxury and turn our back on the poor 
and the needy? Are we going to be? Are we going to see injustice and keep our and not speak out against it? Are we going to take part in it? I mean, the, 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 from what I can gather, this if you're in Israel and and you have a court case coming up, the thing to do was to go by the judge. I've got plenty of money. Here, give a bribe. Oh, he has testimony against me. You two, you want to say everything they said was a lie? By 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 your witnesses, by your judges, by your justice. The poor don't get anything; they get sold for nothing. And the oppression that they have. This is what we're seeing here in in Israel. And um, my final warning is. Let's think about it seriously and make sure that we aren't falling under the same condemnation that Israel fell under. Remember, God was very angry. He had put up with them as long as he could. And he's telling them now through his prophet, last time, I'm done with you. They were, and if you, and if you turn back to me, there'll be a remnant that'll, that'll come back to me. But for the elite that are there, I don't think there's much hope. Unless they completely change their mind, and like in Jeremiah, when Jeremiah God said the same thing through him, and Jeremiah said, do you think really that's going to happen? He said, no, I know them. They aren't. So, that'll be it for this week. Next week we'll start... And we'll try to get through chapter uh, 6 and 7, maybe 8. I don't know. It's going to be hard. Thank you for being here. We'll see you uh, next week. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.